Good evening, everyone. My name is Mike Cisneros, and you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. We'd like to welcome you to our third installment of the first season of Cincy Brewcast. I can't believe we've been doing, we've done three of these already. It's pretty amazing to me. And uh, tonight we have our regular, a uh, couple of re- our regular panelists, Tina Cisneros. Good evening, Tina. Good evening. Uh, the Gnarly Gnome. Good evening, Gnome. Great to be back. And then sitting in tonight for Chris Camboris is a man that uh, to me needs no introduction, but uh, he's uh, a bartender at uh, Mount Carmel Brewing Company, a good friend of ours. We've known him for quite some time. He's got plenty of opinion and interest in craft beer. His name is Scott Lau. Scott, good evening. Hey, good evening. And also sitting at the other side of the table, kind of on the end, sort of off mic, is the <laughs> missus, the first time my wife, Nancy Cisneros, has been in the house while we've done this, and she's welcome to say anything she likes, if she, if, if, and I'm sure she will if the spirit moves her. So uh, with the introductions out of the way, let's talk uh, Let's talk about what everybody did over the weekend, and I think probably the, the, the 200-pound elephant in the room or the thousand pound elephant in the room if you will is is Braxton and Noam went to the uh, Noam went to the media night on Wednesday he also went to the grand open the public grand opening on Friday and then Tina and I slipped in there along with Nancy and some other people yesterday to kind of experience what it was like when it wasn't crazy and there wasn't a lot of stuff going on so let's uh, Oh, but first, because we always do that first, is we're gonna is we're gonna drink. Can't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we can't talk about it until we drink it. So what we got is I happened into a half a growler of the uh, flagship. What's going to be their flagship beer, which is the uh, Storm Cream Stout, and uh, we also have a full growler, which I have not tried, and Tina has not tried of the Sparky Poppy Wheat. And uh, so let's pour. Uh, this first is the. Now I got to tell you, this this kind of old. We we got it. Um, they happened to visit WLWT Studios yesterday, where I happened to work, and uh, I uh, was uh, given this by them. So it might be a little flat. It might be a little bit. Uh, but we'll still get a pretty good idea of what the uh, what the flavor is and everything. Which I drank. I mean, we drank it fresh from the. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little flat, unfortunately. But we drank it fresh. Uh, we all drank it fresh uh, yesterday. Everybody but Scott. Um, still get a good idea of the flavor. Yeah, yeah and and, and I told uh, I told uh, Jonathan Gandalf. He asked me what. Uh, which was the marketing director at Braxton, he asked me what I thought of the beer. And and particularly what I thought of this beer. And it struck me as something that you would have been able to get pre-prohibition. Down at, you know, and, and there were probably hundreds of breweries brewing a beer very similar to this back then. When, that, when I'd, you know, when the... Brewers were doing an everyday beer that was more like craft beer. And I like it. There's a lot to like about it. But I don't know if, if it appeals to me as someone who's a kind of a, considers himself a developed craft beer drinker. I don't know if it appeals to me I, I, on the level that they're looking for it to appeal, you know, to appeal to appeal to someone. I get exactly what you're saying, but at the same time, I have 
drank so much of this beer this weekend because it is so good. Like, it just, you know, it's it's never going to be the beer where I'm sitting down and I'm like, you know, a one beer I need to drink right now is this one. But anytime you put it in a glass in front of me, that glass goes down really, really fast and really smooth. It does go down it very, is, very smooth. It's delicious. To me, it's um, gateway beer. It's outside, you know, by the pool beer. It's at the baseball game beer. It's something easy to drink. It's um, it's nice and crisp. Good for, you know, hot weather. Session, well, what is it, 4.7? 4.8, I think. 4.8. 4.7. 4.8. Um, so nothing that's going to get you drunk. You know, you can take it out on the boat, the boat whatever. So um, so I definitely think it's it would be good for something like that. It's it, it, it's a nice... Um... It's a nice standby, and I think that's what they need for, you know, the middle of their their flagship line here. They need a standby beer. Mm-hmm. They need the, the new Little Kings, you yep. know. It's, you know, you they need it, they need it, they need kind of a, a leadoff hitter, somebody that's going to be solid, you know, solid solid at the plate, solid in the field, you know, not real flashy, but something that's just going to deliver time and again. I, I think I think they I think they hit it with that one. I think they got it with that if if that's a criteria you're going to use. Now, let me ask you, when you guys were there yesterday, did you, did you get a chance to try it on Nitro? You know what? Oh, gosh, I wanted to, I wanted to <laughs> kick myself. I, I, had the, I had the porter on Nitro, and I had the porter on non-Nitro. And I really, I really loved it. I really loved it non-Nitro. And that's what I said to myself. I said, we, we left before we had another one. You know, we, and, and I said, gosh, you should have gotten that on Nitro. I, that, I bet it's... I bet it's fantastic. I mm-hmm. bet it's a lot better, actually. Mm-hmm. See, I like the uh, blown gasket porter on nitro versus non-nitro a little bit better. I just thought it really added to the mouthfeel of it. Well, if, that, if this is something that they're act, that's going to be their 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 stand standalone beer as far as what they're going to enter with into the public, uh, it's significantly more palatable than a lot of the blondes and colishes that are the gateway beer, like right. Tina right. said, at some of the other craft uh, breweries. Uh, and, you know, pulling handles on Saturdays, uh, you do get a lot of craft beer people that come in that are looking for what's new and what is more full-flavored, uh, you know, what's, what is the big hop to it or what is the, what is the, what has uh, got the high ABV. But there's also a, at least an equal, if not a greater share of people that want to know what's your, you know, your lightest and most palatable mm-hmm. beer, and that definitely hits the nail on the head there. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that this will be their first packaged beer. So I agree with that. I agree with it's that. It's gonna 100%. be in cans and it's gonna be flying off the shelves around town. I I think this I because that was one of the questions I asked. Cans or bottles? You know, bombers, bombers as compared to and uh, and they seem to lean toward cans. I said for your core stuff, do cans. For your seasonals and specialties, do bombers. They're like, well, that sounds pretty. You know, I think it was Greg Rouse who said, well, that sounds pretty logical to me, and and I, so I think that's where they're going to lean. This beer would be perfect in a can. Now, as one of the backers sitting at the table, I can say that they sent everybody, you know, questionnaires throughout the process asking what you wanted, and I'm pretty sure they sent an email at some point saying that it was decided that it was cans for for most of the releases. Is that I don't it? remember that. Do you remember that, Scott? I don't recall that, but I, I might have made that up, and it might have been something I heard somewhere else. <laughs> or or it might have but... just been one of those things that I got the email, like, but... oh, Braxton, update number 75. Right. And I was I'm, like, okay. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure wow. they have said that it's going to be cans for most stuff. And then, 
uh, bombers for seasonals. But. Unlike the uh, the kind of at the tail end of the of a glass growler here of the uh, storm, the sparky, the hoppy wheat, as they call it, um, popped with plenty of uh, carbonation, and uh, this was out of my mere uh, growler. Uh, and you can get the the standard growlers. I never caught a price for the bottle for the glass itself, uh, but the standard growlers are filled for twelve dollars. And then the mirror growler is a mirror sixty dollars. <laughs> I got mine for fifty four because of the ten percent uh, promotional discount they were running through uh, untapped. But um, so I should have, and, and it costs only eleven dollars to fill your mirror growler. So I should have this bad boy paid for in fifty three more fills, uh, which I'm very proud, of, which I'm very proud to say. So let's try and again. Tina and I have not had any of this at all. Noam knows already knows what he thinks of it. Scott has not had any of it either. Scott will be able to formulate a special opinion or a a. Uh, Solid opinion. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just don't get it on the uh, recorder there, or we'll be having a very short-lived uh, program. Well, it's definitely hot nose. Yes, I like it. Yes, I was I really hoping. Like it. I was really hoping for this one, and it really is is what I what I was what I was thinking of. I'm not so. um, a wheat beer person. When I hear wheat, it sends me want to run it, and um, I am really really impressed with this. Actually, I'm I'm very happy. Well, what I thought of when I saw it and saw that they were going to do this is yeah. summer wheat from Mount Carmel. And it's 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 right it's right down that alley it's right down that road, it's it's God, it's in that, it's in that ballpark and I'm it's pretty damn good. I'm surprised how much I like it. This is awesome. Ryan guys has a uh, similar that spike lit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This has a really nice delicate nose on it. And you do get a little of a little peppery hop, and, but um, I, I like the kind of crispness to the finish of it. Yeah. And again, real sessionable. Right. Yeah, it's five, very drinkable. Five and a half percent. Because drinkability is really big for me, and kind of a little grapefruity, orangey, orange peely sort of finish, but not, not anything that's gonna you know that's gonna really kick you in the teeth and you know curl your hair and all that kind of thing. So. Well, and they really stress the consistency of their production, and I mean, based on these two beers, I mean, you get a, a very full flavored beer with a lot going on. For a little ABV. Yeah, this is really, really good. What were the impressions uh, on the um, on the on the crankshaft porter? I think did we no, discuss the that? Blown gasket, blown gasket, gasket, gasket. Uh, rather, uh, porter. Um, I got stuck on it when I was there yesterday. I am um, I'm one of those people that I know what I like, and I don't. I like to try new things, but I'm very much a creature of habit as far as um, you know, just finding beers and wines and things that I like. So I had I had three of them. I, the one was on nitro, the second was non-nitro, and then the third one was nitro again. And I just thought it was really, really excellent. One of the best porters, I think, in town. Mike, my, up, up there my with... Untapped, I, I put my untapped status as I thought it was up there with identity Identity crisis. crisis. Well, that's what I was going to ask so. you. If, if it's identity crisis-esque, that's a pretty good standard. And it's, it's kind of funny because I, I drink gnarly brown all the time, and I... Just, 
you know, hopped by Madry after Braxton last night, and I was drinking Identity Crisis when I was there because they were out of Gnarly Brown. That's insane. Um, but to me, it's settled. You drank settled. them dry. <laughs> I drank all of it. <laughs> it's not going to be back until Tuesday. You drank all the Gnarly um, Brown. <laughs> no, but for me, I really could picture the blown gaskets fitting in right there, right in the middle of Gnarly Brown and Identity Crisis. Identity has a little bit more of a kind of roasted flavor, a little more... Um, uh, Which I think Evan discussed when I talked to him about the about the um, about that beer that it was not going to have the smoke as much of the smoky, yeah, roasty flavor. It was a little bit more of a sweeter malt, I think, um, but not so sweet that you know it's a sweet beer. It just kind of has a little bit of a sweeter. It's a, it's a little bit more of a softness to it rather than. Um, what identity crisis is like. So I loved it. I, I stand by it completely. I think it's awesome. Crankshaft. Crankshaft is one of those, you know, IPAs with me, they're almost a dime a dozen anymore. It's, it's almost not my style at this point. I, and I, I hate saying that because it was, it was a great beer. You know, it still has that full big, you know, kind of <laughs> multi flavor with just, just the hops that just kind of sit right on top of it that you, that I look for in them, but it, it to me with you know with uh, the the blown gasket and storm I, I love storm and then the happy week you know it, it didn't stand out to me but I thought it for me I, for me I agree I I think it finished in a tie for third with storm I mean. Because again, I think that's a I think that's a style that I I'm, I'm glad somebody's brewing and I'm glad people are going to like it. But I've I've had I've had that beer before, you know. I, I think I had a lot of that beer when I was in college. <laughs> God, um, but I did say last week that when we were discussing the after we listened to after we played the Evan Rouse interview, uh, I did mention that. There was a possibility because of what they talked about with the storm that and and the, his description of it that the uh, crankshaft could be uh, under hopped. Don't worry about it, you everybody out there. It's got plenty of hop <laughs> you did action. Say that, didn't you? It's yes, I did. I wrote it down here. I couldn't have been more wrong. I'm dead wrong. It's got everything you're looking for in a hop, and then in a hop, very hop beer, and then some. I thought it had a really strong. Kind of grapefruit after, aftertaste, which right. I don't know that I've found necessarily appealing. So, yeah, I would love that. That sounds great to me. But there's lots of people that like that, that like it like, like it like that. Right, and uh, that's that's the. I like something that drinks a little bit more clean. We were talking about uh, Galaxy High. Right. That is a little bit part of the reason why I've kind of been down on Galaxy Highs because I think it's got a pretty big aftertaste that you really have to get used to. The, the brilliance of, of their breweries, they, they've got 20 taps, though. You can have, you know, a crankshaft IPA, and then you can have, you know, what was their other one that they, um, there was another seasonal that they, that we know about. Um, Trophy is a pale ale. That might be more of that fresh, clean hop taste that you're looking for when it comes out, you know, 20 taps, you can have different kinds of IPAs or pale ales or whatever it may be on tap at the same time. Bocce does not agree with you. Well, <laughs> Bocce never agrees with me. Bocce is over there saying, you're totally wrong, though. Uh, uh, 
I got to talk to uh, Jonathan Gandalf for a few minutes. He was nice enough to stop by the table and, and chat. I also chatted with uh, Greg Rouse as well, uh, just for a few minutes. He asked me, I like the beer. I said, it's, it's, it's you know, top flight. I can't believe that you could open a brewery on your first shot and turn in, you know, four more accomplished beers. I mean, there's, and, and already something for everybody. Yeah. You know, and, um, one of the things I did ask him is what was coming up, uh, was what was coming up next down the pipe and how they were going to do their releases. Uh, he said, well, I don't know if this is out yet, but Evan Rouse told it to us in our interview last week that, that the, that the uh, Dead Blow, which mm-hmm. is the tropical stout, is going to be first down the line. Uh, and then you mentioned the trophy. And I kind of asked him how the releases were going to go. And he asked, are you going to drip them out one at a time? Or are you going to do maybe three or four at once? And he seemed to th- he seemed to say that they might do one to two to maybe three at a time, uh, you know, over the course of as they get them brewed, right. um, depending on how how much other brewing they have to do. Right, right, depending on how much other brewing and and something to, uh, to the effect that they were going to uh, make sure that they always had um, they were always doing a full production on two of the core beers, and then. And then they would be adjusting their brewing schedule to brew the additional seasonals and so forth right. uh, based on based on. But they would always have two of the core beers: the Storm, the Crankshaft, the. Uh, uh, why does the Porter name escape me? I just Blown Gasket. Gasket and the Sparky in full production at all times. See, I was under the so, impression that Blown Gasket was not one of their core beers. But that just happened because they couldn't get the um, the tropical porter. What's that one called? Uh, Dead Blow. Dead Blow. I, yeah. I, I was under the impression that Dead Blow was going to be the, one of their core beers, and Blown Gasket was more of one of those. I don't want to call it seasonal or whatever, but I that was just an impression. Well, right? I don't know. Now that they started with it, they better keep it. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it all they works out. I guess. Off and, and the I second that, thing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. Oh, please. Oh, I just think that was something that Jonathan said when he stopped by the table uh, yesterday, right? That uh, he asked me how I liked the blown gasket, and he was actually, didn't he say he was sort of surprised with how well it was selling? Oh, and how yeah. Much people uh, yeah liked he did it. mention that. Yes. Yes. I remember you saying that. And then the other thing that he mentioned that I asked him about was what about outdoors? What about a place to sit? Forgot to ask cigar, about that. Have a cigar and so forth. And, and he said that the parking lot, which is right next door to. Uh, the brewery, uh, which, just as an aside, there's plenty of parking down there. Actually, I mean, but it doesn't a, look like it. It doesn't right. look like there's plenty of parking, but there's a, there's a free lot next door to them, and there's also a free lot that's across the street. Um, and then behind the brewery, and, too, and, is and, a lot. yes. And they, uh, he said that uh, what they were trying to do is get the city of Covington to lease them the uh, the parking lot that's right adjacent the mad to the brewery. The mad lot is what is what they call it. Um, Going for like a dollar second. a month for like a dollar <laughs> a month or something like that so they could hold not just events out there but so that they could hold um, so that they could have it as an outdoor sort of a beer garden. Um, We're going in for second pours for, of yes, Sparky because, yes, because it's it so, is so damn, damn good. good. Ma'am? No, I'm good. Okay. No, I, I am really curious to hear about what your experience on Sunday was versus my experience on Friday. I loved it. 
a lot more. Well, I saw pictures and it, was, it looked it looked it was almost bright. like a normal weekend. It was beautiful. There was there were places to sit. Right. It wasn't too crowded. They had the the Louisville Michigan State game on. Um, it was just it was really really pleasant. I loved the space. I was actually um, sort of surprised. I thought it would be a lot bigger inside mm-hmm. um i sort of kind of had an idea that it was going to be sort of the size of like mad tree ryan guys kind of big huge kind of industrial but it, it's it's smaller and cozier and i like that about it and um but no i definitely was able to see myself you know just picture myself sitting there at the bar by myself and not worrying right. about it you know on a set or a sunday afternoon and um so i really was really impressed with the space I thought it was a good time to go because it wasn't terribly crowded. Like I said, we found a seat um, as soon as we walked in. There were actually several tables open, and then um, and yeah, I just think good atmosphere. I really liked it a lot. And, and, and it felt <laughs> it, it it was steadily busy. It was not packed by any stretch of the imagination, but there was a, there was a constant flow of people coming in, people you know having a, I guess a couple three and then and then leaving and, mm-hmm. and sort of uh, sort of that type of thing. So um, uh, you know. And the weather was not all that great. I mean, it was sunny, but it was very cold. So I can imagine when, you know, people are out walking around in their shorts and, and you know, mid, middle on middle of the day on a Sunday, they're gonna they're gonna say, hey, let's go down there and check that out. Are those right. garage doors gonna open eventually? Garage the, doors. The, aren't they garage doors along the front? Or is I that just glass? Don't, no, that's just glass. It's made to look like garage it's doors. It's just glass, I believe. Yes. <laughs> okay, there's never mind. the garage door. There's the one that's the glass on panel the garage door yeah. on the inside that closes off the um, closes closes off the brewing uh, area from the, from that from their sort of their media room there. And then they have another more like overhead door, solid door that I guess they can close for people that have uh, that want to have meetings and stuff like that in there. Yeah. So, uh, but. That was Sunday. How was Friday? That was Sunday. How was Friday? I guess I'm, I, I can go both ways on how I describe Friday. It was extremely busy. They were at capacity. People couldn't get in the door. But like you said, that mad lot, they had that closed off and that set up with a little bar out there for people to be able to hang out. It's really cold, though. But we did the VIP tour through Craft Connection. I don't know if you guys have ever done a Craft Connection tour where we yeah. started at 8-Ball and... Um, you have, you know, beer samples there and some appetizers, and it was free bacon night at 8-Ball that night, too, and rare keg night, and so we hung out there for a little while and then got on the bus and went to Braxton, and the coolest part to me, they, when the bus got to Braxton, they pulled around the back of the brewery, and they opened that back garage door up, then pulled down the ramp, and they backed the bus into the brewery space and had that whole back half of the brewery closed off for the VIP tour, so you could go hang out out front with everybody else, but then when it, you know you wanted to sit down and talk to people, you could walk back into the back, and it was quiet, and it was there was room. So I got kind of a little bit of both experiences, where it was really busy out front, but then kind of quiet and subdued back there towards the back. But um, I had a blast. It was so much fun. You know, it, uh, like I said, that that storm. <laughs> <laughs> I can drink it all night, and I did drink it all night. <laughs> It was a good time. Excellent, excellent. And then the uh, Wednesday night, uh, that was uh, probably a little bit more subdued as Wednesday, well. It was not actually as subdued as I thought it was going to be. It it cleared out fairly early as people started to leave, but I mean... Well, everybody was, had to file. It was yeah. supposedly media night, so I guess everybody had to file. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know... They had it, deadlines to hit, you know? In the, in the beginning there at the night, it was, it was still pretty crowded. I mean, there were seats, but not... 
not many. You had to you had to keep your eyes open for them. So it was, but it was still fun. Excellent. Um, I'd like to go back there in about, in about six months, and, and I think we've well, I want to started go back before yeah. that. I'll, no, 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 I'll no. probably be back this week. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is, I think we've got a nice relationship uh, put together with them now, and I'd like to go back in six months and do a. How you doing? Yeah. How's it looking? Okay. You know what? What you know? What what is it that you you know that you thought? You know what has happened that you thought would happen? What has happened that you didn't think would happen? You know, have there been any problems? Have there been any uh, you know uh, pitfalls? So that'll with, be with their with their gigabit internet, that might be the perfect place to try a live stream at some point down the road. I agree. That, I think that would. They're set up for it, so it'll be fun. Excellent. Well, I think we can hopefully, uh, if we get some different equipment and some more stuff, we'll be able <laughs> mark to it do on that. your calendars. So mark it on, mark it on your, yeah, mark it on your calendars. Uh, I mean, that was really the most anticipated brewery opening locally that I've ever, and the seen. most well done I until think. next week. I've, I've, <laughs> I, I don't. I think that's going to be a tough one to top. That one was, that was probably the the most well thought out and well run opening of a brewery that I've ever seen. Well, when you've got all, you know, basically all marketing people that, you know, yeah. Jake and Evan or Jake and Greg both are, are big time marketing people. Uh, so when well, you've between, got people between that the emails, do, the Kickstarter, yes. the 1500 responded that they were going on Facebook. Even got a real heavy social media presence too. Oh yeah. And it was really cool watching the feed. Even yeah. even just seeing how how Evan and Richard ran their tours around the brew space, just the way they talked about stuff, it was it just everything seemed real seasoned and real planned out and thought out. Like they just it, everything was. I, I hesitate to use the word perfect, but everything seems to be perfect. As you said last week, it, it's almost as if they've been open a year already, right? So, and there were no so. As as I said again, in six months it'll be nice to go and see if there are, there were any kinks, mm-hmm. any, are any kinks right now that have to be worked out, things that didn't go, as uh, that aren't going as well as they thought, or vice, you know, or things going better than they ever expected. So, uh, so that's down the road. Now we're going to switch gears because we've been holding on to this interview now for the last two programs. Uh, we wanted to be uh, as. Uh, timely with the Braxton stuff as we possibly could be. I think we've succeeded very well with that. And uh, But now we switch gears from a brand new brewery to the oldest brewery in Cincinnati, and that's Mount Carmel Brewing Company. I did uh, an extensive one-on-one interview with uh, founder and brewmaster of Mount Carmel, uh, Mike Dewey. Uh, we're going to institute tonight, uh, it's going to be called our Founder Series, where I'm going to speak uh, probably about once a month to a lot of the various Cincinnati brewers uh, who, whether they're long-standing or whether maybe they've just started out, uh, but we're going to get the special comments of of the people who founded founded craft uh, brewing here in Cincinnati. And um, this week it's Mike Dewey. We've got uh, Scott here from Mount Carmel Brewing. Give us an impression of, of Mike. Uh, you, you know, we all know him pretty well because we've we've been going there for quite some time. As I said in our first show, we've you know we've we've known Mike for quite a while, and uh, Mount Carmel is kind of our home brewery. Uh, he was re- I think he was really forthcoming with me uh, with me in a lot of these comments, as, as you guys as you guys will soon hear. So, 
you know, Mike uh, Dewey is uh, definitely a MacGyverish kind of guy. He can fix anything. He can he can fashion anything. If there's a zombie apocalypse, he's definitely somebody you want in your village because. You know, he can keep everything running, and he can brew really great beer. <laughs> uh, being a home brewer, uh, to, to, to think that, you know, when he decided to home brew, that he did it like everybody else with a burner, a soup kettle, and a garden hose. And uh, his beers were so coveted that he had to continually increase the capacity of his homebrew equipment. You know, he outgrew the shed and moved into the basement and... Uh, really had to begin to sell his beer by demand. And he did that. We discussed that, the old, the old growler system that they used to have at, uh, where, they, where they were uh, selling beer through growlers. He talks about that. Uh, and uh, so uh, if, any, if nobody has any other further comments or anything else uh, right now, uh, here's my one-on-one interview uh, with, Mark, uh, with Mike Dewey uh, of Hello there, and uh, welcome back to the Cincy Brewcast, and uh, I am honored right now to uh, be joined uh, by the owner, the brewmaster, the keg washer, the IT manager that we found the other night. <laughs> on on uh, Tuesdays. And, uh, and, and founder, most importantly, of Mount Carmel Brewing Company, uh, Mike Dewey. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's good to be here. Uh, Mike, uh, it's pretty well documented, the story, but for our listeners, uh, just talk a little bit briefly about how all this started, kind of your per- little bit of your personal journey toward this point, and what you know, what what sort of has transpired in the last ten years. Well, um, quite a bit, quite a few chapters, I should say. Um, originally, uh, Kathleen and I we co-founded and started Mount Carmel Brewing Company. Um, it was for the reason being that there weren't any other craft brewers in town, and uh, um, outside of Samuel Adams, and that left us thirsty for some type of local craft beer. Um, like a lot of people, we started homebrewing um, to supply ourselves with the craft beer we, we enjoyed, and you know that evolved into a business, but uh, quite a bit different than what you see going on today. Um, for the first five years, from 2005 to 2010, you know, we saw modest growth, um, but we didn't see a lot of growth in the brewing community. So we had a couple other breweries come online uh, during that time, but uh, pretty much under the radar for the most part. Um, the big national brands dominated uh, the supermarkets and they dominated uh, the shelf space. Um, that has changed quite a bit over the past five years, and uh, you really can't even compare um, the first five years of our experience with the last five. Uh, tell us a little bit sort of about how you kind of cracked that. I mean, what was the, what was sort of the tipping point? What was the point where, you know, you got, you started getting into the stores, you started getting into some of the uh, bars and so forth, uh, you know, locally? For us, it was uh, pretty much right away. Um, just not at the same acceptance level you have today. In other words, um, we launched our business quite a bit differently than a lot of craft brewers. We started with uh, a packaged product only instead of draft. And because our volume was so small, uh, we thought we could spread the brand around a lot more by selling it in individual growlers. Um, The uh, 
process of doing that really gave us some good exposure for when we were ready to sell draft because, of course, everyone who buys for restaurants and bars and, and uh, places of that nature uh, shop at your local grocery store. So they, they got familiar with the brand before we even went door to door to try to sell it to uh, the draft accounts. And, and that was the, the, the growlers. Let me talk about the growlers a minute because that was my first exposure. Yeah. Was in the growlers at the uh, BP up the street here from the brewery at, yep. at the corner of uh, Clough and uh, Mount Carmel. And uh, uh, I mean, how did that come about? I mean, what what was it that made you want to pursue selling it, selling the beer in that way rather than bottling it traditionally and you know to start with? Well, the cost, um, the upfront mechanical cost of bottling lines versus a growler filling machine. Um, we bought a standalone unit uh, from a, uh, a company that now makes full lines of equipment. But uh, you know, they we sent them a bottle. Um, they made a counter pressure filler for us, and we proceeded to fill them one at a time uh, with this machine. But um, by the time it was all said and done, we had filled about forty-five thousand of them. Jeez! <laughs> yeah. Well, I drank a few of them. Uh, besides those types of things, what were some of the other things that were challenged from the start? Have some of those things been solved? Most of those things solved, it, and, and what's kind of facing you sort of today that's, that, you, that you maybe weren't expecting? I would say a lot of the challenges starting out um, are different than challenges we have today. In other words, I would go to a, a draft account, an on-premise account, and I would offer a keg of beer, a uh, local beer, have a sample ready for them, and the first question out of their mouth would be, you know, how's the supply? Can we get more? Um, in today's market, um, you can actually go to just about any bar and offer the last keg, and they'll take it. Um, so they're very much into the uh, uh, the, the wave of, of newness um, and, and the flexibility of having multiple um, uh, offerings at any given time because that's what people are looking for. Right. Um, let's talk about sort of the tap room for a minute. Um, you among others were very instrumental in sort of lobbying for and changing the law that placed certain craft beer tap rooms under the control of the Ohio Department of Agriculture mm -hmm. rather than the uh, state liquor board. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, even Governor Kasich came to sign the bill into law. I believe here at the he didn't sign it he here. Signed it here, but 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 this was his first visit to a craft brewery, and uh, I guess we were the only ones to reach out to him and uh, uh, thank him for his efforts in uh, doing something that was beneficial to a lot of people in Ohio. It's pretty well documented but still kind of take us through that process and how it worked and what you know what your particular role in it was. Well for, for years um, Ohio lagged behind in the uh, culture of craft beer. In other words other states made it a lot more friendly to open up a business and, and brew beer and introduce people to your products. In Ohio there was an exclusion in the A1 manufacturing license that eliminated the uh, possibility for us to serve on premise. Um, most startups don't want to have an A1A. They don't want to sell a full bar. Um, but what we lacked was the ability to just get our products in front of people. So 
Uh, for years, we had people, mostly from out of state, that um, would come to our brewery, find us online, uh, visit while they're at an alumni game or, or, or a Bengals game, and they would be shocked to find that they couldn't try our beer. They could buy a six-pack and take it with them, but you know, um, they're very much used to how things worked in other states, and and uh, I think that really put a damper on the success rate of, of small startups, and it also uh, just detracted people from wanting to uh, open a brewery in Ohio. So uh, these are things that have been lobbied for a long time. Uh, the OCBA uh, that we've created here in Ohio uh, contributes to a lot of uh, the input um, as a group that we have. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I, I think Governor Kasich pretty much uh, looked at it as a common sense law. And has anybody, because uh, I know uh, Florida's having a big problem, uh, Texas is having some problems now with, with, with being able to, dis, you know, eat, distri- uh, distribute in growlers, mm-hmm. also tap rooms themselves. Um, read something online the other day that uh, they're talking about capping the amount of production that Texas craft brewers can do uh, to something like 5,000 barrels a year. Yeah. That's so, so, uh, so, it's really got to be gratifying to have a have have a state government and a governor that's that's sort of is interested in this type of small business. Yeah, and, and when when most people think small business in politics, they think pretty large businesses. This is a law that actually helped people who have one employee, two employee, three employees. I mean, real small businesses who are. Uh, located throughout the community and bring people as a niche business into the community, which also helps other businesses. So, um, yeah, it's the first time um, I've been experienced with, you know, had experience with uh, big government uh, catering to um, even the smallest entities, which is pretty neat. And now we fast forward to 2015, which, as we discussed earlier, is the 10-year anniversary of the brewery here. Yeah. Um, and you were just honored by the Claremont County Chamber of Commerce as a top emerging business. Yes. Now, forgetting the fact that it's taken you 10 years to <laughs> be sort of an overnight success, yeah. uh, that must really validate a lot of what you've been doing here over the last 10 years. I think so. Well, they've accepted us as a niche business in the community. So um, if you look at how uh, the breweries have popped up all over uh, the tri-state, they're really kind of spread out a little bit so um, you know the purpose behind having a local craft brewery is that we're all unique and and, and have our own uh, uh, way of doing business so uh, to be honored here in Union Township for that was uh, a milestone I know um, we uh, uh, we've gotten a lot of support from the community and uh, from uh, the powers that be so I was I was going to mention that in light of sort of the, one of the things that came down in the city of Cincinnati last week mm-hmm. as far as wanting to charge more, I guess, for their sewage effluent, if you will, or their yeah. sewage uh, their sewage bills, mm-hmm. uh, it must be pretty nice to uh, deal with a, with a government in Claremont County and in Union Township that isn't really interested in making that kind of money grab against businesses like yours. Well, I think everybody at the end of the day is going to pay their dues. 
and um, but like the argument was made in, in the Metropolitan Sewer District, um, uh, you know, that's not going to happen overnight. Um, you made reference to some of the changes that are going on in other states. I think one of the biggest challenges to uh, the, the people who are in charge of oversight is that it's growing so rapidly and they have to adapt as quickly as we do um, to be able to fairly regulate our industry. And we're coming up with new ways of processing beer and new styles and, and, and new methods that aren't in their rule books yet. So they are literally, literally reacting to the, you know, for example, the ingredients we're using in beer or um, the way that uh, we age beer or um, perhaps it even comes down to the alcohol contents sure. that we're, we're starting to push the limits of. Sure. And, and they're really reacting to that. And, and that's difficult to do. But, uh, let's talk about it about the beer. Um, yeah. um, a lot of, you know, some of the brewers that have come online in, in, in recent years like to do a lot of rotating and changing around and yeah. experimenting. And What's your philosophy on what you've seemed to have done, which has had maybe a half a dozen of uh, really solid, available all the time mm-hmm. so that people can, you know, drink them and they can become a favorite rather than sort of shifting around and maybe having, some, you know, some, you know, just tell us a little bit about the philosophy behind, behind that as compared to changing things around a lot. Well, I would say, you know, even though we've been around the longest, we're certainly not going to be nearly the largest brewery. So um, production capacity is always an issue. Um, we've always struggled just to keep up with our flagship brands. Um, we've often introduced um, specialty beers uh, for draft only type uh, purchase, but what we've done recently uh, with the introduction of the Snapshot series and bottles and the rollout of that, um, we have actually kind of diversified our portfolio a little bit. Um, there's a lot more to do there um, because we are mostly all flagship brand uh, driven right now um, with the five year rounds and the four seasonals that we rotate in and out. Um, but the market, once again, first five years, uh, that wouldn't that wouldn't work. Um, the the past five years, it does work. It's a model that that definitely works well, and um, that's something that uh, we'll be adapting to as we will a lot of other things as as the market changes. Sure. Um, it's it's a silly question. It's a strange sort of. Uh, I don't know what's your favorite color question, but what's your favorite? What's your favorite one out of the out of your regular lineup? Out of our regular lineup, um, you know, it is like asking which kid's your favorite. <laughs> but which one did you? Which one did you brew first? Was it the amber? What you used to call the copper? Or you know, the, I don't even remember. I it was the amber, the blonde, and the stout were our first three beers, um, and I'd like to say it probably was the amber. But I, I'd, I'd have to look back at my brewing notes um, <laughs> that are jotted down on a loose leaf paper somewhere. Well, according to what I read, both on uh, actually on your Facebook feed and also a couple other places, mm-hmm. uh, Mount Carmel is the number four selling 
beer, Cincinnati local beer, craft beer uh, in Kroger stores. It could be from around. Uh, I mean, that's it was. Uh, I believe it was it was it was uh, Rheingeist, Mad Tree. Um, Jeez, uh, the, the third one escapes me, and then it was you guys. Rivertown? Uh, no, I don't think it was Rivertown. I think it was somebody else. Uh, anyway, uh, also, I've re- read that your stout uh, is the f- favorite Cincinnati stout beer of uh, ratebeer.com. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Users. I didn't know that. Uh, I believe Roger, uh, Roger Hill, your taproom manager, t- uh, uh, put that out on, uh, on Facebook this week. Um, so that's... I mean, that's got to be great validation. Yeah, we'll talk about validation. That's got to be great validation you know, as our, well. Our Nut Brown Ale has always been in the top 20 on uh, Beer Advocate, and that's cool. I think the Blonde's in the top 25. Um, you know, it's been a while since I've had the opportunity to kind of be involved with more of the, the stats. Um, with the way things are growing, especially locally, um, you know, I think uh, the new breweries have definitely – elevated the level of awareness that local breweries have and that's increased sales it's increased uh demand on us as a company Mm -hmm. so um we have more events than we've ever had um you know when when you're a small brewery um in and and i mean at any given weekend we can have more events than we have employees um, so it's it's difficult because you don't want to say no to anybody. Right. Um, but yet, with the number of uh, events that we can be involved with, um, it's it's it can be draining. So um, with the increase in volume and popularity uh, comes comes a lot more work and and, and in different ways. We sure. used to just be, you know, make more beer, make more beer. Um, now we have as many people in front of the house as we have behind the house making the product. So um, the uh, introduction of these tap rooms and the amount of people that come through um, just surprise me every day. Well, you talk about the back of the house a little bit. And I, mm-hmm. again, I guess this is sort of well documented, but you've lost some of your brewing talent, may I say, over the last year or so. Jared Hamilton yeah. went to Taftdale House. You had a couple of other guys go on to places like Eight Ball and yeah. Sweetwater. Um, on one sense, one would think that would be a, a big loss, especially since I know that some of those guys have been with you for quite a while. But on the other hand, I almost look at it as do you feel a little bit like uh, like a Belichick or a Bill Parcells where you're starting to spread brewing talent throughout the industry and, and well, I sort have of to a look at it as a compliment right I, well I, I mean I would think so I if, mean if, if someone if, wants to open an eight million dollar brewery and they want my guy I'm yeah. be doing something uh, well right. it's, that's that's got to be uh, that's that's sort of what the question yeah is well, about so it's it's true um, um, what this atmosphere has brought to Cincinnati is uh, not only the ability for someone to be involved in the brewing community, let's say be a brewer, but with all the options on the table now, um, production brewing might not be for you. A brew pub scenario might be what you're looking for. Um, you might want to get smaller, not bigger. You might want to get uh, uh, more creative, not more mundane. So, you know, that's that's what's affecting the market, the options and the uniqueness of all the breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we've, with the exception of uh, one individual, we've taken everyone we've brought into our business with 
no past industry experience. And uh, we've had uh, very fortunate luck with um, how that relationship and the employment has turned out. But, um, you know, that's created, you know, more jobs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people asked me uh, when we went through uh, the last change of uh, employees, you know, what are you going to do now? And I just kind of look at them and say, well, I'm going to do it again. You know, that's... <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. Well, plenty. tell us about some of the some of the people you brought in. Well, we have uh, uh, Chris Siegman, um, who has been working for the brewery um, for quite some time in our tap room. Uh, he's been... Uh, he's had his sights set on, on brewing beer uh, for us commercially uh, for quite some time. So, um, after working in the tap room for about eight months um, and... Uh, a couple others uh, leaving that opened up the door for him to come in and uh, uh, you know I hadn't been in production in six years so it was refreshing to go back into production mm -hmm. for three months sure. and, and then and then bring the new guys in and and train them from the ground up um, you know every so often it helps just to kind of reevaluate everything and and, and and when I get in there I can find the efficiencies and the deficiencies that we have and and fix those um, but uh, we have Chris Camboris, uh, who uh, worked at the uh, production brewery uh, for uh, the brew kettle up in the, the Akron area. And uh, uh, we have uh, Andy Clawson, who also moved uh, from our tap room to production. And then we have a, a new transplant employee, Matt Brown, who's uh, going to be taking over some of the packaging detail. Um, as we expand production, we got to kind of uh, bump people up mm -hmm, sure. and, and, and then start multitasking. Um, but uh, the uh, the employment uh, and the the fact that people are moving around and doing different things, uh, I think, hit every brewery at this point. Um, you know, I've, I I know uh, of some local breweries that have had ninety nine percent turnover, and sure. um, it just seems like everyone's still uh, got the camaraderie. It's just, you know, everyone's starting to find out what their niche is and what they really want to do. And at the end of the day, um, that's what's got to happen. Speaking of camaraderie and sort of now that you mentioned Taft and $8 million, which is mind-boggling, uh, as it becomes more of a money game, do you find that it is becoming more cutthroat, more of a big business, more of a... I don't know. Just, just more. Absolutely. Like when you have, uh, you know, over a hundred billion dollar beer market, and you have two percent beer sales shrinkage, and you know, thirty-four uh, percent craft beer growth, um, with only forty-two billion dollars of that market, the craft beer business has buckets of money, uh, and, and there's definitely um, uh, more incentive to invest more. I mean, because it, 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 it's a more positive outlook. It didn't, we didn't have that outlook in, in 2005. Um, but at the end of the day, um, Kathleen and I really have to remind ourselves what our goals and, and uh, what we set out to do. And that's evolved quite a bit, sure. But uh, I don't think it's ever going to be quite on that scale to jump in and, 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 and try to expand at, at that pace. And, and uh, you know, it's, 
we're kind of sticking to uh, the basis of what we wanted to do. Um, uh, we're seeing steady growth, um, but uh, is that is that hard? Is, is there something in there's something inside you and Kathleen that's you know, man, we'd really want to go and compete with those guys. We really want to stand there toe to toe and Gosh, slug it yeah. out with. You know, there's there's with, al- there's always a bigger fish, I mean, and 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 that's seems to be playing out a little bit in Cincinnati because every other week you hear the next uh, major investment and uh, or new brewery and uh, gosh it just seems like a, a, a losing battle well you're, you're always gonna have a bigger fish and and you're you know we're 10 years into this and uh, uh, you know we're on our right path so we don't want to have to start over and that was kind of my next question was is there a bubble and do you feel like you may have insulated yourselves from that bubble if there is one by sort of staying true to your roots so to speak a, and, and sort of I guess, well, straight I think, and narrow I think it. there's a bubble to every aspect of what trends in other words um, I think things will evolve I don't think the craft beer sales overall are going to uh, be diluted or or shrink anytime soon but the types of beers and or packaging and or quality quality is I mean is 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 always going to be you know number one but at the same time if if there's billions of dollars in sales then um really it's it's is it going to be marketing or is it going to be quality is it going to be exposure reach i mean it could be any of these things um but you know we'll Will someday sours be as popular as they are today? I don't think so, but there'll be something else to replace it. So I think the the industry is going to be doing really well. It's just going to go through different trends. We've seen sour come. We've seen IPA. IPA I, w- I would imagine is still the king. Uh, yeah. you, we've seen sours sort of come onto the horizon. We've seen something called goes, yeah. which is which you know. I think you ha- I I don't have a taste for it. I think yeah. you have to have a taste for it. Um, you know, is there anything that you see coming up? That's you know, we're still um, with with our flagship brands being the bulk of our production. We still um, just have so many avenues for us. That's that's one way of looking at it. We've we've got we've released our coffee brown. Uh, we've released our imperial IPA in bottles. Um, but we've just got a list of beers that uh, are not available off premise, mm-hmm. and 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 those are the ones that um, we're going to keep producing. Um, we don't have any plans on going uh, the sour route, um, but you know, barrel aging it, it it seems to be holding its own, right? And 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 that yeah. doesn't seem to be going away. Uh, so I could see us introducing uh, a barrel aging program, but. Um, uh, you know, we've just always had so much on our plate. Now I can't imagine what the next trend will be. And one of the things that you put on your plate and taken care of in the last year is is, is enhancing and expanding your tap room experience. Mm-hmm. We're sitting out today on this beautiful seventy degree day yeah. on your new patio that you put together last year. Um, been out here several times. It's a, it's a great vibe. 
Yeah. Uh, you've been doing a lot more of the live music. You've been running the food trucks. Tell us a little bit about, is that just a, is that just a response sort of to what some of the other it, outfits have been doing around Cincinnati? Well, from day one, um, the tap room, in our mind, was needed because of the amended law um, allowing the A1s to have them. But we really saw it as uh, basically a way for people to come tour the brewery and try our beer. Um, it wasn't until um, a few weeks into this that we realized that people expected much more. They expected to sit down and have a pint of beer. And uh, all of the growth within the tap room and the improvements we do here is just a reaction to the demand um, for it with the growing sales in Cincinnati, we also have um, more people who are um, basically not just buying the beer, but they're um, becoming regular patrons to the breweries themselves. And um, I mean, we can have as many as six buses a day through here. Um, that's phenomenal compared to right. what the interest was 10 years ago or even five years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, Kathleen, I really never wanted to be um, a restaurant, number one. Number two, the on-premise um, wasn't our primary goal. It was basically production wholesale. Um, but we couldn't ignore the, the trend of uh, uh, tap rooms and their growth and, and, and the amount of people who um, have gone out and supported them. So, um, you know, it, it does fall back to... It's a little bit of a community thing, sure. And yeah. and, and and people <laughs> from all walks of life can literally find a connection through the enjoyment of craft beer and following that. Um, and we've seen that here locally with uh, people um, that we would have never met and/or brought together uh, who 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 use us as kind of an outlet. It's you know we're the Starbucks of beer in a way um, that. Uh, have our crowd, but at the same time, um, uh, it, it's become a gathering place. Well, you've got a lot of exciting things going on uh, leading up to your 10th uh, uh, anniversary celebrations mm -hmm. coming up on May 16th. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about what's going to go on here. I mean, spring and summer is a really big see. Everybody gets out. They want to go out. Like you said, they want to sit out on the patio and have Absolutely. a pint. And, and so forth. So tell us a little bit about what's going on uh, right here at uh, Mount Carmel. Well, um, we're going to open the patio this year for the first full year, which uh, it really, we, we didn't open it until um, late August of last year. Um, we kind of rolled through September without much uh, um, activity um, in the planning department, and October was where we really started lining up uh, the entertainment, the food, and combining all those uh, into um, just a, a very successful um, uh, destination place for people on Friday nights. We're going to extend that into Saturday. So uh, we're going to offer uh, more evening activities. Uh, Roger has um, about two and a half months booked solid um, with uh, uh, food and entertainment. Um, there will be 
very few days that we're open that we won't have things scheduled. Um, my goal personally is just to finish this expansion by then mm -hmm. and uh, uh, you know we're, we're, we're working hard on, uh, on a lot of things that we haven't yet announced um, that are soon to come um, to help uh, expand uh, the success we've had here on premise with the patio. Um, but uh, you know we'll have to refer to our, our Facebook page for the the day-to-day -day stuff and the schedules. Nothing, nothing you can share with us, uh, just uh, uh, as a, as a little appetizer, so to speak. Or well, I mean we're we're growing, and uh, but uh, as far as uh, um, the objectives, um, like I mentioned, to get the expansion done, that opens the door for us to get roll out more snapshot series in okay. package and, and 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 that's more of current current or new sort of well ideas. beers that we've actually brewed in the past are first on the list because of the demand for the Ardennes the Ardennes is the, a huge the, uh, one yeah. the Ardennes the um, uh, Obsidian the Obsidian uh, but the Ardennes actually is going to be the first of uh, the snapshot series brewed in the new uh, expansion so um that's uh, that's something we've been looking forward to for, and and that'll and that'll be in bottles, bombers. Yeah, no, no six bombers, packs. just six packs. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah, excellent. we're gonna stick with that model until that model doesn't work. <laughs> cans, giant cans. Yeah, we, so, uh, you, you, uh, yeah, you never know. We've, we've done growlers, now right, we've done bottles. Right. Um, you know, uh, we're not against cans. Um, personally, I think. Uh, uh, beer should be consumed out of glass but I understand the delivery factor and the convenience factor of a can so um, my dad was a big bottle right out of the bottle beer drinker yeah not me and, you know I, I mean I, I mean he, I you think know, it's two different beers I do you really I, I do I, out of the bottle as compared to pouring into a glass yeah I do mm -hmm. um, if you want to nitpick I I would say that uh, um, I get two different profiles from from the beer um, uh, but there's for sure it doesn't open up, you know. Right. If you're drinking it out of out of the long deck, it certainly doesn't open up like it would uh, pouring it into I'm a glass. I'm real sensitive so. to the, uh, I think the, uh, the metallicness of the caps themselves. So if I, I pour it in a glass, I don't get that. You don't get that. I don't get that. Mm -hmm. And what about cans? Same way. Same, same way. I, I don't think you should. If you have the option, drink out of a can. But as far as the delivery method goes. Um, I, I definitely see the the, the pros to it. Um, uh, you know, they argue glass is actually more recyclable than aluminum, but you know, when we look at our fuel surcharges for shipping glass, it's it's a lot more than the aluminum, and uh, uh, there are definite advantages to that. I, I would say we're certainly not against um, uh, the, the idea or the concept of cans. But it's not anything that's on your horizon at this point. We, we just haven't been able to keep up with the glass, so right, we have right. to accomplish that first. Well, tell us a little bit about what's going to take place on the 16th, if you, if you can. I mean, or do you, are you uh, sort of want to keep that keep an eye on your yeah, Facebook page? I, I, I would rather not comment on okay. that. Okay, well, as, but, as it gets a little bit closer, we can promote the Facebook page, yes, absolutely, things like that. So, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a, it's going to be a shindig. We can say that without yeah, any. I, I keep asking Roger now. This is a great idea, but you understand, we had we were at capacity every Friday in October, 
and two Fridays in November before the patio closed. What what are you going to do different to you mitigate know? that? Yeah, yeah exactly. And, 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 so so those those are the things we're working on now. Okay, very good. That's 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 good enough. Um, just a couple more things. Uh, uh, we talked a lot about the local industry and, and, and the local places, um, uh, but. Uh, is there any, anything else you'd like to add? What do you like? What do you dislike? What are some of your favorite uh, beers from around the city, if you will? And, I'd and say everybody's got something that, that I, 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 I dig a lot. I mean, uh, you know, everybody's got a, a little bit of a different uh, lineup of beers. And, uh, you know, although there is some overlap, everybody's got something that they have done or, or, or currently do that um, is... Uh, is, is stand out for me. Um, what I would like to uh, maybe see is, is uh, you know, maybe maybe more collaborations in the future. Um, I know we've been asked several times. It's just like we don't have time to do it. We don't have the production capacity. Um, but things that can actually get people to focus on the local guys. I know um, it's important to support everyone, but uh, I think locally um, we all kind of work hard um, to generate that local presence for Cincinnati. And I think finally, uh, with the addition of all these other breweries, um, some big, some small, sure. um, it's really helped put us on the map. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that helps everybody. I think it's. I, I think mean, it's the, the next. It's, not, I think it's the next great beer destination. I yeah. mean, with what with what's here now, with what's going on online in the next eighteen months, and what's you know what's uh, you know, and what's even what's in the little bit wider area, say fifty miles right. uh, around. It's well, it's, it's getting it's, more and more mentioned nationally, right? Which you know, I think Bell's might have been the biggest story closest to us five ten years ago mm -hmm. and 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 cincinnati dayton columbus um you know we just weren't really on the map yet so um if you use uh, portland or any of these other successful uh hubs of of craft beer as kind of a crystal ball because we do follow these east and west coast trends uh pretty steadily then uh that'll kind of map out I think the future the Midwest has and the craft beer. Well, and there's a, there's a great statistics. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but something like one third of the American population lives within 250 miles of Cincinnati or some strange. I haven't heard you know, that there's one. there's there. I mean, you know, 75 comes right through here, 71. You know, 70 passes just a little bit north. So well, just having some of these large regional. Um, breweries look at the region as possible as stoned in yeah and, exactly and, and that 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 does indicate that they're um we're we're we're, we're generating a lot more interest so um whether that would be good or not i'm not sure but uh, to have something like that yeah. i know that uh, stone has referred the brew dogs mm -hmm. to columbus they were yeah. kind of a runner-up i guess uh, in their quest for an East Coast uh, hub brewery, yeah. uh, Columbus was, and and sort of the brew dogs were asking, well, where, you know, where could we go and sure. put something together? And they said, why don't you try Columbus? Would that? Do you think that would be good? Not good? Not sure? 
You know, it's hard to say. I, I, uh, the, the, probably the better people to ask would be the small guys in North Carolina um, who yeah. have had a lot of <laughs> large breweries set up shop and see, see how that affects um, them. Um, does it just draw more people? Um, you know, at, I, don't, I don't know of any other industry um, that sees the type of growth we're looking at uh, for the past 12 months and the next 12 months. Um, you know, sure there's, you know, coffee companies that, you know, pop up here and there um, to compete with, you know, Starbucks, uh, the larger, you know, national brands. But, you know, never have I seen 15, 20 new companies in one year. Right. That's, right. I, I, I don't know any other industry that, that has seen that. So, um, I don't have a clue what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and what about this place for the next well, 10 years? you know, we've, we've decided, um, you know, a year ago that it's great to be uh, wholesale, but, you know, we've done really well the last 10 years with economies to scale. So, um, you know, our margins have increased. Um, we actually sell beer for less today than we did 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've adapted with the economies to scale and our growth to be able to compete, which, which is uh, a great opportunity. Um, but a year ago, um, we did put more effort into diversifying and, and growing the on-premise. And those are some of the bigger things um, coming down the pipeline that um, will uh, kind of secure that we have uh, just the right balance of everything going on to um, weather anything that comes down the road. But, you know, slow, steady growth puts you in a, a position where um, you kind of get to do the directing versus reacting. And, and that's something that uh, um, we'll continue to do over time. So we're pretty comfortable with that. Well, I think that's a great way to end it. We really appreciate your time. We wish you the best of luck in the next 10 years and longer. Excellent. And, uh, and uh, we certainly thank you, Mike Dewey, for being our inaugural interview on the Cincy Brewcast. Glad thank to be you the very much. Pig. Yeah, you got it. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. A lot of interesting stuff. I guess uh, one of the things that really uh, struck me was the fact that he talked about, first of all, let me, as, again, we, we did this interview two weeks, two weeks, three weeks ago now, three Mondays ago. We're recording on Monday. It was three Mondays ago. The uh, news had just come down that that um, the MSD sewer, sewer department in Cincinnati wanted to start charging more money to breweries uh, in their sewage bill, and uh, that was discussed almost immediately. The mayor came out and said, "We're not going to do that." They put that on. They kind of put that on the table. Uh, but still, he's it, it, interesting comment that he made about that governments are going around sort of reacting. To what's happening in the craft beer industry, it's, it's it's moving so quickly that they're having a hard time dealing with a lot of the things that craft brewers are doing. He said, from the amount of sewage they use to the ingredients they use to the way they dispose of those ingredients. I know there was somebody wanted to have a law where you could not give spent grain from craft brewers as animal feed. And that's one of the main ways that craft brewers dispose of their spent grain is, is, is giving it away to farmers for animal feed to 
restrictions on production, restrictions on alcohol content and so forth. Um, and I just, you know, the government's never ahead of anything. And it just shows that the craft brewing industry, it's the same. I think, um, uh, you know, kind of having nothing to do with what you just said, something that really stuck out to me from that interview was the kind of discussion about how hit, packaging came first, um, packaged product, and the, the tap room kind of came along after that. Kind of the question that I wrote down that I was thinking of, I think it's really smart to do something like that, to kind of have your, you know, your beer out there and people saying, hey, where can I get this? I want to go have this. And then later open a tap room. But what I kind of want to pose to you guys is, would that still work these days, the way that taproom culture has kind of taken the the craft beer industry by storm? Um, would that be, is that kind of a good business plan? In Cincinnati or just overall? Um, because I think Cincinnati's its own beast as far as you know, beer culture goes. Like we, it's, we're a taproom city now. Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, you've got places like Blank Slate and you know, even for now, cellar dweller and places like that where you, you can't get packaged beer. You have mm-hmm. to go to the tap room. But he did do basically the same thing that Mike did with Mount Carmel at, at Blank Slate. He was in bars first. So people had the brand, they got the beer, you know, in their hand, they drank the beer. And then when, when, Scott yeah. decided he was going to open a tap room. It was, it was immediately met. It's immediately met with success. Lots of success, as far as I'm concerned. I've been in there several times. There's never a, a small amount of people in there. It's always very busy. We but always if, you, had, oh, if you're talking about that 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 argument between packaged beer and beer on tap is, is I guess where I was going with it. You know, it's. If you have to go to your a drinking establishment to get that beer, versus being able to go to your Kroger and sit on your couch and watch you know the game drinking the beer, it's I think that that's that's the divide for me is like does that make sense? Could that work now? And I, I don't I don't think it could now. I don't think you could start with packaged beer only and then open your tap room. Well. Knowing a little of the history of the brewery, uh, when Mike first started brewing, uh, he had a 45-gallon brew system, a 46-gallon brew system, which was three half barrels. And their first sale, if you if you read the article on the wall in the tap room, was to Nicholson's. Uh, and over the course of about two days, he sold his entire inventory of beer, so the three half barrels. So that's when they decided to go with the with the growler system. They could do 90 growlers. So do the math on the 45,000 from there. That the uh, mm-hmm. the ninety the, you know, they could do ninety growlers and Kathleen Dewey would uh, would actually drive around with a, a vehicle full of growlers and, and pitch the beer and if they wanted it uh, then it just was a matter of figuring out where to put it in the in the the display because it was always designed for you know twelve ounce cans twelve ounce bottles that was that was kind of what you know I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago you know that was what got me to pick up Mount Carmel for the first time as I, you know, walked into the store and, you know, it was just this huge case of, you know, all these bottles of beer and then sitting in one spot in the beer cooler was this... Next to the Colt 45? There was a standalone (laughs) shelf of these growlers of beer and I'm like, what is this? (laughs) Well, what they had up at the Clough BP was a little 
refrigerator, a little, like, like a mini right. refrigerator that you would find cans of Coke or whatever in that was sitting on top of a counter next to the coffee machine. And that's where the, the, brow, the Browlers were located over there. And that was, I mean, talk about, you know, sort of stopping and going, hey, wait a minute, what's that? Right. <laughs> you know, and that's what I did. And I said, man, that's really unique. Okay. Uh, and Mount Carmel Brewing, and you know, I walk up to the guy, you know, the guy at the at at, uh, at the counter, and is is this really made around here? Oh yeah, and the guy makes it around right up the street or whatever. So it was a no brainer for me, being a drink local, you know, local beer, you know, and looking for the best tasting stuff. It was a no brainer for me to to buy it immediately. Right, right? and so. from the blank state standpoint, with just selling. You know, uh, kegs of beer uh, through bars and restaurants. Um, it was very coveted until he opened the tap room, and I think that's why his tap room is what there was such a reaction to when he finally opened that was you couldn't find it. As a matter of fact, I paid quite dearly for a growler. <laughs> you know, so and I, you know, and, and it, it was it was worth it. Well, you know, the question that you brought up, you know, you know. Would that same business model work now? I, I, I don't know, but I don't think that that... We're in such you kind a, of think that we're it's in a not, different world, though. Right, like you kind of think that it's not anything that anybody will even think of no. anymore. But sort of, that was kind of my follow-up that I wrote down when I was kind of thinking this throughout when I was listening to it, was um, the first time I had a, mal- or, um, a Madry beer was at opening day... At Great American Ballpark, and the tap room hadn't even opened yet. I didn't have the it. tap room opened a few weeks, maybe a month later, and so I'm thinking to myself, you know, Madry is my place. I, I'm associating, you know, tap room culture, thinking specifically, you know, of where I go, mm-hmm. where I hang out with my friends, where I drink, and then I'm like, hold on, that they kind of did the same thing there, which is, I, and obviously it didn't last as long as it did for Mount Carmel, and it didn't necessarily give a chance to kind of create that really big hype um, just in a few weeks but well, well I think the difference I think the difference in that example is is as he mentioned in, in the interview something of economies to scale I mean you are putting your beer in front of anywhere from 20 to 45 thousand people eight, you know 80 80 times a year when you're when you have canned beer down at Great American ballpark and his was not even close to that experience. So he had that many people looking at, you right. know, they had that many people, Mad Tree, looking at that beer and anticipating, oh, this is really good. When's the tap room going to open? Mm-hmm. Mad Tree is also an anomaly because they, they had cans. It right. was like Ohio beer in cans. You know, finally somebody did it. You know, so they had that, that kind of set them apart. A marketing tool, yeah, cachet. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't necessarily the packaging. It was just that it was different. Finally, somebody in Ohio has cans and it's, it sets us apart. So it wasn't... The, uh, you know, the branding and uh, the packaging um, would have been something that would intrigue people, but you got to put good beer in there. Right. And obviously they did. And, um, you know, from a standpoint, even where Mad Tree, although they've only been around, what, a Closing in on three years? Uh, two, two, two. A little over two. A little over two. Yeah. So even the, the world that they entered as, as far as uh, a brewer was completely different than what Mike and right. Kathleen Dewey encountered in 2005. I mean, as he said in the interview, there was there was nobody else. I mean, they 
because of the expense of his hobby, they sat down at the dining room table one night, and his wife, instead of saying, hey, you, know, you need to cut back on your hobby because it's too expensive, instead she said, hey, why don't we sell this beer? If people like it so much, you know, let's, let's sell it and see if we can recoup some of the investment in equipment and grain and water and yeast and, and hops. And, uh, you know, they really almost created their own wheel from that point on. I mean, can can somebody replicate that in this current market? Probably not. And now a little, I guess he broke a little news with us. I, I don't know how, how well known this is, but they have. It's well known that they have a huge expansion going on uh, to what a double double the capacity of their current system, or oh, well, they'll, they'll go from a thirty barrel fermenter system to a ninety barrel, so a triple. And one of the first things they're going to brew in that is the Ardan. Snapshot series, which the Snapshot series has been immensely popular for them, and the Ardennes was probably the most popular uh, iteration of that of that Snapshot series. And he said that's the first one that's going to be brewed and bottled uh, from their new uh, from their new expansion. So and that should make a lot of people happy because I know a lot of people really enjoyed that beer. And if you aren't familiar, the Ardennes is the the Belgian Belgian quad, quad yes. Excellent. Um, sort of. Go ahead. I, oh, just kind of another point I kind of took note of. Um, he was talking about uh, sort of following trends and didn't know what the next trend was going to be and barrel aging and um, things like that. In and you know I've never really known Mount know, Carmel to do a barrel age or a. Um, you know, anything that sort of is trendy. I mean, we just got the Imperial IPA, what, over the summer? Yeah, this last past summer. Yeah, it would have been right. July um, last summer. Which is, you know, which is fine, but I'm just kind of wondering, as far as Mount Carmel goes, is that sort of a good or bad thing that they aren't really paying attention to the trends, aren't following the trends? Do you think that this they have a, enough of a loyalty built up to the beers that they already have and, you know, if they put out something different or exciting, you know, every, you know, maybe twice a year or three times a year. And then, but really just focus on their, what they kind of always have in the tap room. Is that good or bad for them? Is that kind of, should they be following the trends a little more closely? Or is it a good thing for them to kind of stick with what they know? I think it depends on, on, on what the goal of the brewery is. It's. They brew their core beers and their fantastic beers. You in, I'm, I'm a firm believer that in Cincinnati, if you brew good beer, you will be fine. People will come and they will drink your beer, but it may not set you out in front of the pack. You'll never mm -hmm. be the brewery that people talk about in Cincinnati. If I have somebody that comes in from out of town, we may not go to Mount Carmel to try mm -hmm. the beer because there's nothing that is going to shock them and make them talk about Cincinnati beer mm -hmm. we may end up you know you know it's one of these other guys because they're doing something fun and exciting and different that's not to say it's a bad thing mm -hmm. it's still an essential part of what Cincinnati beer is well and I mean I don't know correct me if I'm wrong but from his comments it didn't seem to me that that kind of thing was that important to him right. and to his family and to him as a brewer, I mean, we talked about uh, with Braxton before about wanting to win awards and so forth and so th so on, medal, uh, BJBF medals and all sorts of things like that. That just none of that seems 
important to him because he feels like as I think he feels as long as I think he said something about sustainable growth and mm-hmm. and and as long as they they keep on their uh, slow and steady path that they're not going to be concerned about there being a right. bubble or uh, you know ho-hum it's another Cincinnati brewery or anything like that I mean I think he's you know I think that's the path that they want to walk if if they really felt that though why do we have Imperial IPA in bottles? Why do we have coffee brown in bottles? Why is, you know... Why are we working uh, on our den? Why yeah, why, why is that the first one that's coming on the new system? If they really felt that way. Well, he also or did they say... afraid to say that they don't feel that way? He also did say that that was not the kind of having a number of, you know, additional beers and rotating seasonals and that sort of thing was not... A proper business model for their first five years, but now it is right. that because the because the industry has changed so much, because there is so much more competition, because there is so much more variety in beer. I mean, you've got one brewery now coming out and saying they're going to have at any one time twenty different beers on tap. Not to beat, you know, not to not to hit Braxton again, but you know they're they're the talk of the industry in this town right now, and I don't think there's anything. You know, and and so he he did admit that they had to they had to follow along with the tap with more stuff in the tap room with more events with a different experience as far as the outdoor. They have a gorgeous gorgeous outdoor setting there. They really do. I mean, it's 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 maybe unmatched in Cincinnati. I think it's unmatched in Cincinnati mm-hmm. easily. I I think that what what happened with Mount Carmel is they they grew to a point. Um, where they had to keep up with what they had built, if that makes any sense. They they almost couldn't branch out with the production that they had without affecting the other sides of the business that would then affect you know the, the bills. You know you you still have to pay bills at the end of the day. Whereas now, if they're expanding and they're going to have the room in the tap room, you may start to see them have a little bit of leeway where they can. They can branch out a little bit, and they can do a one-off beer or something that's that's going to get those those, those geeks in the door that want to try something different without affecting that bottom line. And so it'll be interesting, you know, that you know the previous five years versus this five years versus the next five years, how that business model changes. Well, Roger Hill's been doing a lot in the in the tap room lately. They they've started a they've started a, a Firkin program, which has been well received. Uh, the beer has been fairly good, I would have to say. I think the first uh, the first effort was better than the second effort, and then we're looking forward to the third effort. I think this week, if if I'm not mistaken, and then they're also doing a lot more of the food trucks, a lot more food. They had last week. They had uh, Alfio's uh, Buon Cibo, uh, who came and made uh, made uh, some peach empanadas to go with their cherrywood smoked peach blonde. Say that three times. That's a mouthful. <laughs> so there's a lot. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff that Mike wasn't so quick to talk about as far as what's going to happen on May 16th for their 10th anniversary. But Roger will tell anybody. Just go over there and ask him. So <laughs> follow, follow, follow him on Twitter. Follow and him on Twitter and, and Facebook. You, you won't have to ask. Uh, what is that? What was at, the, is uh, that at uh, what is that uh, at, at MCB at, at, at Mount, uh, Mount Carmel at Mount Carmel Brewing at Mount Carmel Brewing on Twitter and, on Twitter and the Facebook page is Mount, Mount Carmel, Carmel Brewing, Brewing Company yes Mount Carmel yeah. Brewing Company yes 
So, and uh, we can link to those, link you to those, by the way, at our new website, which again has limited content, but uh, we are getting we are getting there. We're working on it little by little. Uh, but it's www.cincybrewcast.com. You will find links to our current show, plus links to download our previous programs, also link to our uh, current promo. Uh, there will be some uh, photographs and some video at some point, and uh, we'll also be able to link you to a lot of the different brewing uh, sites here in Cincinnati and around uh, Ohio and around the country. So check that out, www.cincybrewcast.com. Uh, right now, the gnome is so, so evil. I'm, 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 he is evil. I'm ready for it. I've been thinking about it the whole time. Uh, we, 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 did, uh, we did the Braxton earlier. We're going to dip into the beer fridge again and uh, open up something that was very highly anticipated here in Cincinnati. It's got the red wax on the cap. And uh, tell us about it, gnome, uh, from Listerman. It's the Listerman Nutcase with uh, raspberry jam. Me and Mrs. Gnome stood in line out in the freezing cold this weekend and, and, and picked up our bottle and then sat in the tap room at 10 a.m. drinking it for a few <laughs> hours. And man, it's... Can I join your family? Uh, uh, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> what? We don't go... What, 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 what are we? We don't do enough? I have not gotten to try it in the bottle yet, but it was on tap. It was wonderful. And I think you can still find it around town on, uh, on tap places. And let me say this. Listerman and Triple Digit, uh, which is their um, other brewing venture at... Um, over there on um, over there by XU, uh, some not every one of their beers is for me, uh, and especially call into mind the uh, s- cinnamon roll chacal, which people absolutely love. But I will tell you this: I've never tasted a beer that tastes. I've never tasted anything except a cinnamon roll that tastes like cinnamon roll. And boy, that thing tastes exactly like cinnamon roll. They even got the butter flavor in there. I don't know how they did it. But so anything that they make is going to taste. If it says peanut butter and raspberry jam beer, you better oh you better it's be sure that it's going to taste a lot like that. Let's try it. Just, just like, pouring just, it oh in everybody's glasses. Every time I would pour it, I would get it. Just smelling it like brings me back mean, to, to fifth grade lunch. I, oh, like, yeah. I, I don't know if um, it's... The situation and everything, but I just the smell jumps out to me more. I get more of the raspberry out of the bottle than I did on tap, and I don't know if that's a temperature thing or what. But it's very, very raspberry right on the on the tip of your tongue, and then as you swallow, it's oh. peanut buttery. <laughs> it's yeah. so insane. You get at, loads more in raspberry the in the bottle Seriously, than sh- you do on tap. This is incredible. Shout out to Listerman. Like, honestly, that's <laughs> that's all I can say. We gotta, we're, insane. I gotta get the untapped. I gotta check that and bad And it's not a foo-foo peanut butter sandwich. No, no, it's, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's Jif. It's Wonder Bread. Uh-huh. It's Wonder right, Bread. Right. right. Yeah. Yep. This is crazy. I cannot believe that, to me, it smells mostly like peanut butter, which is great. And then you take it and you drink it and then it's got you get the peanut butter, the peanut flavor, and then you get the, the 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 sweetness and the fruit flavor of the jam. It goes down really great. Absolutely no aftertaste, and uh, but it's got a little bit of a of a sour quality too. It's got a little bit of sourness 
that will that will remind you of of a of a of a decent sour. Um, you know what popped into my head was the uh, was the Rivertown uh, 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 black cherry uh, sour uh, porter. I sort of. I well, if know, you smell I, bread, I I, 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 I disagree a little bit as far as the sourness. I you mean, don't this, think? I mean, I get the sour kind of as a raspberry as raspberries are tart, but I wouldn't call More it tart. a. I wouldn't call it a. I wouldn't. I think sour is kind of inaccurate. Not that you were calling it a sour, classifying it that way, but I don't get that kind of that same mouth reaction to well, it have, as I went you, to a You sour. have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I go, I I've been with, drinking I beer the, a hell of a lot longer than the, you have. I go with the berry no. tart. Tart. Yeah. Tart. Tart. Okay. I'll, I'll buy that. I'll, 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 I'll give you all that. I, I agree. Man, no, he's that, just not—he's just over there contemplating. <laughs> I shouldn't um, have shared my bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I intended to go. We appreciate but I, what you did. I hope my wife's in bed when I get home because I might take hers. <laughs> you know, and that brings up something. I mean, Scott just said I intended to go, but I could not. And you know, <coughs> you had Braxton. You had uh, uh, this uh, Listerman released uh, this on Saturday. Fifty West had a release on Saturday. There's so much going that you know. Now we're getting to the point here in town where there's so much going on. It's have, hard to you have do to make it a all decision. in one day if, if you even can do it all. Right, if you even right as my, my co-pilot uh, released two hours later. Right. The crowd moved, from what I heard. They went from Listerman after they got their bottles over to to Fifty West and picked them up there. And, and while we're talking about beer events in Cincinnati, I know I got um, I, I saw a tweet that was retweeted. Um, I can't even remember who retweeted at me, but it was from J, uh, JJ um, Beer Guy, uh, mm-hmm. the Jungle Gym's uh, beer manager, and he posted uh, four a picture of four delicious looking Founders barrels for the. And you know this is Cincy Brewcast, but we will talk, you know, national beers and beers from around the country, and they're going to do a Founders. Uh, tasting on Friday night, uh, on their Friday pint night, this coming Friday, which will be the 3rd of April. I can't believe it's going to be April already. And uh, I mentioned uh, that I would uh, say that to him, or mentioned that they were going to be having it uh, tonight on the show. And uh, let's see if I can go through the... uh, Do you have it? He said they were going to have the Backwoods Bastard, the... um, Kentucky Breakfast Stout. Yeah, here it is. Uh, I can't get this quick. Red's Rye IPA. Red's Rye IPA. Dirty Bastard. KBS. On tap, if you can believe that. And The Blushing Monk. Oh. So, um, and again, 5 to 9, Friday night, uh, Founders Pint Night. You get the glass, right, uh, with a... With a uh, I, order of a, of the pint of the of a pint of that's a whole uh, other question of Eastgate versus Fairfield. I believe that they Things have are that yeah, difference. I, do, do. I believe that they have that program at the Eastgate as well. Um, so yes, and apparently they had uh, KBS and bottles over there tonight, which it was still which there. I don't know what we're doing here. Goofing around doing this thing, whereas uh, we could have been over there getting some KBS. But uh, anyway, so that's that's that. Then uh, then also, uh, Noam, you uh, wrote an article. You wrote a couple of articles, and there's some uh, news about um, 
about Moreline, about uh, Moreline uh, Lager House and Moreline Brewing Company. The Moreline Lager House was just an article I've been sitting on for a little while trying to get it up. Just a little bit of information about my favorite restaurant in Cincinnati. As of right now, I still have not gotten to try Taft's Ale House, you know, tri-tip sandwiches, but... Um, Moreline Lager well, House is, good. as of right now, my favorite that, restaurant. I, so. I have dreams about the, the candied pork belly on the on the meat and I, cheese that's, board. And that's my, when that's, I go to the Lager House, I order a meat and cheese board. The, the candied pork belly is always there. Everything else changes a little bit. And then I get a side of the spetzula mushrooms and a side of the Brussels sprouts. And it's the most incredible meal ever. The Brussels sprouts are very, very good. Oh, man. But the um, the other news from, uh, from Moreline was, well... It's it's kind of twofold news it, with um, the uh, um, the Bunbury. I don't know if you've heard any of the news about their um, their beer. Coors has signed on as the official beer of Bunbury in a in a, a multi year deal, which mm, is, sounds delicious. Is I love those guys. Bad news <laughs> if you look at it on on on. on uh, <laughs> face value but it doesn't really change that much christian morline is the official local beer of bunbury again for the fourth year in a row so it doesn't really change that much you know the craft beer village is still there so everybody that's throwing a fit on twitter can relax a little bit you're still gonna have craft beer you're still gonna have local beer um and you but need the, something to wash your glasses out. that's right <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the 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 fun news is that morline it sounds like they're gonna they're gonna debut a couple new beers for Bunbury this year. You know they did Zeppelin a couple years ago mm-hmm. and it sold out within a day. And now we all know it's um, one of their regular beers because it's so delicious. They um, we've heard a little bit about their Push Real Pilsner, um, which is one of um, Eric Bauman, their new VP of, of Brewing Operations. It's one of his first beers that he's put out through Moreline, and it's. Um, Probably going to debut in cans at Bunbury, along with a new one we just found out about this morning, which I'm a little more excited about after trying that um, that Sparky from Braxton. It's a, it's called Altered Wheat. It's um, a collaboration between the head brewer at the the Malt House and the head brewer at the Lager House. Um, they got together, and I think the way the can words it, it's brewed with friendship or something like that. Which I, don't, I don't know what friendship <laughs> tastes like, great. but I know yeah, what the hoppy so wheat nice. tastes like, and I'm excited about it. So I, that's probably going to debut in, in, in cans at Bunbury also. So that's that's probably the big Moreline news of, of the week is the cans. Excellent. And then we dis- I discussed uh, in the promo, if you listen to the promo, that we were going to talk uh, a little bit about Great American Ballpark. Uh, I put a excuse me. I put a call into the uh, to uh, some of the management down at Delaware North Sports Service, who uh, runs the concessions at Great American Ballpark, to try to get a comment on if there was going to be anything different in the brewery district this year. Uh, I did not at uh, at airtime. We did not get a uh, any kind of. Reply on that from them. Uh, if we do get something, I'll if we do get something, I'll pass it on to Noam, and he can write that up. And we'll also have that on, um, and we'll also link that on um, www.cincybrewcast.com. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, which is actually just more hilarious than anything else, is apparently something in the neighborhood of 22 self-serve draft beer uh, kiosks. They will be debuting at Great American Ballpark this year that will be 40. dispensing... Oh, 40. I, 40. I, see, I heard 22. There's I, 20 different locations, and I think each location has two different 
I don't know what you call them. Kiosks, uh, systems, yeah. yeah. Things <laughs> set up at each of them. Um, They're not going to be like that uh, because uh, at one point they had a system that you put the cup fills from down the and it filled yeah, from yeah. the bottom and it filled up to the top. Do you know it's how not going to be that. Way? It's going to be a traditional it's a magnet. It's a magnet. Don't yeah. poke the magnet yeah. at the bottom <laughs> or you'll end up with beer in your lap. <laughs> like I learned that for science. So, sounds like that's happened to somebody before. <laughs> the, the, the thing about those the self-serve towers is this year it's going to be Bud, Bud Light, Goose Island beers, which Goose Island's all right. They have said that they aren't ruling out craft beer and local beer in the future, which, what what does that mean though? Is, well, what better? What, I mean, what, what, what did better, they sign on with with Anheuser Busch? Right. I mean, well, I mean, what better thing can you do though is to get the AB to pay for the initial cost of something like that and then be able to put what you want in it? Right. You know, I mean, a when, couple of years when, down the road. When is, well, what is a couple yeah, of years? Right, yeah. And I, I'll call Brew Professor out on it because he's not letting in on what what he's talking about it, but you know. He made a big point on Twitter saying this is this is bad. This is not good for for beer in Great American Ballpark. Wow. There will be less craft handles in the stadium than there were last year, and he's not really you know elaborating on what he means by that. But what does this mean? Because what what did Great American Ballpark sign with Anheuser Busch to get these in the stadium? What agreement was made to say yes? We'll take these cool towers that you guys are going to pay for. Well, and kind of uh, as far as two points go, um, I have sort of a, a speculation on um, how we got Anheuser Busch to pay for these, and then also just sort of a general comment on um, self serve taps, which just seems <laughs> hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> they, yeah, I think that a lot of it had to do probably with the the All Star Game, absolutely, and making, and making the changes and. You know they've got they get this money that they and you know it's going to be on national TV somebody right. filling up their beer with they, a big thumbs yep. up you know <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and then my second point just kind of like from a bartender's point of view is that safe to let people they're, just pour they, themselves they are, there's going to be a couple um, levels there and that's you have to buy a prepaid card at a cons- like a, a store in the stadium some okay. kind of like gift shop or concession stand or whatever you buy a prepaid card in the value of 20 or 100 dollars nothing in between that you're sure. either buying a 20 dollar card or a 100 dollar card and that's what you swipe at the thing to pay for your beer okay on top of that there is still somebody standing at each of these stations checking IDs while you're filling okay. up your beer. and, and the... safe yes does it screw bartenders <laughs> yes and in the video report that I saw that was done by Eric Zarnitz on WLWT uh, there it, it appears that there is a time limit you have 25 <laughs> seconds to fill your yeah. Well, there's the garbage can. So idea. there's no, so there's no, there's going to be no. Uh, what was that Coke commercial? A courtesy sip or free, you know, sample sips or whatever. You're uh, only going to have 25 seconds to fill your cup, and so you're not going to be able to fill it halfway. Drink, drink it all down, and then and then fill it. You won't get like you'd want to, right? Can you, I well, mean, uh, well, look, and you know that's not. I mean, yeah, can you, can sure. You can you <laughs> just like take a second to think about? Just like the science and engineering that goes into a yeah, system I, I, like this, you know, that times the beer to pour out for twenty five minutes, and that's a twenty ounce fill. I'm a huge freak for that's for shows insane. like How It's Made, and that stuff just con- continually boggles my mind. Like, my question is, again, though, what kind of quality pour are you going to get out of it? 
Because when Eric turned around to the camera and showed everybody his beer, it was damn near all foam. I'm, I'll argue that, though, that I've been to Reds games before, and I, I'd say there's a lot of times that I could pour my beer better than the bartender that poured my beer. Did. Well, they're not even bartenders. They're right. volunteers. Right. That, you know, trying to get money for Jimmy's, you know, uh, uh, so, rugby team or whatever, you so know. The so the idea of a self-serve station can go both ways. Yes, you can get some terrible, you know, my, my mom's not going to pour a beer the same way that I am. Right. But... And that I'm not going to pour beer. Why it's insidious? Because what we have here is automated macro beer, and I've got two words for you: Skynet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and sort of you wonder where does it end? Where are our uh, yeah. robots taking bartending jobs? Yeah. What's going to happen there? Well, you know, until they can start, until robots have artificial intelligence and start listening to people's problems and and you know suggesting you know asking for girl girls and or guys you know phone numbers and things like that, I don't think you're going to see the bartender uh, take the dirt nap anytime anytime <laughs> real soon. You've got so. Siri, right? <laughs> she? Yeah, but yeah. it's kind of... Yeah, but, yeah, but, I don't know, she always gets standoffish yeah, with me when but, I try to tell her my problems. Yeah, but the USS Enterprise also had guinin, so, you know, you have to look at it as, you know, somebody's going to understand somewhere that, you know, the human touch is always a, is always a little bit more, uh, is always a little bit better than the, than the, than the, um, than the automation, so to speak. You don't well, listen to them, Siri. When, when Siri and... As Tina's unloading her, unburdening herself on Siri, she Poor immediately, Siri. She she immediately gives her this. direction to Madtree. <laughs> Madtree is seven miles away. Make a right turn. Siri, you're the only one in this room. Siri, you're the only one who understands me. Um, gosh, have we, have we got anything else? Have we exhausted our... Um... We have to talk about Taft's opening next week. Which, unfortunately, we could not get Gerald Hamilton tonight, um, as we had promised last week. He is obviously, and you can kind of just, you know, assume this is insanely busy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it was even sort of um, ambitious that he kind of agreed in the first place. Yeah, I'll I'll come do it two days before our soft opening. (laughs) um, so, So, yeah, Taft's. Needless to say, it's it's the biggest opening that's happened in the last week, four days. <laughs> uh, I've seen some preliminary pictures posted by some people in the place. It looks like it's um, fantastic. The space looks like it's incredible. Um, uh, former former church, uh, former I think Lutheran church downtown, um, and um, but a relatively small brewing system compared to. Some of the other uh, brewery, breweries around town? Ten barrel, if I'm, I understand it right, unless that's changed since I read last. But, um, it but all exciting stuff. It seems to follow along that out. model to you know, serve beer just in house. And lots of beers. I mean, they've got, I think, what, ten beers on tap right now that are ready to go? I think. That's, that sounds about right. That's a lot of beers for an opening night. Based you know, on the description of them, they sound incredible. The reviews have started like, to come in. They're all getting good reviews on like Untapped, and you know, I don't think lots coming out on Rate Beer and stuff like that yet. But just from the soft opening, I think that the uh, the coffee milk stout is what people are saying is their their favorite. But I'm still itching delicious. for that key lime wheat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. There's going to be big things coming out of them. 
We have to talk a little bit about Old Firehouse because I love Old Firehouse and they um, are going to, you know, got another write up in uh, USA Today about, you know, breweries built in unusual spaces. Not that I think their space is unusual, but um, they, they're they going to be in the um, April 4th uh, print edition of USA Today, which I think is Friday if that. Saturday. Right. Saturday. Saturday. So the weekend edition, uh, um, yeah. On the, in the uh, travel section. So got to give them cool. a little bit of a shout out. Their second, you know, big national write-up. They were in Huffington sure. Post a few right. months back. Right, about, uh, yeah, uh, I have been there. That's a great space. A wonderful I, haven't, space. I haven't made it out yet. I've, it's, I've been itching to. Again, I think we talked about this on the first uh, first show. It's a, it's a great story. Uh, the people, it's... Uh, Adam and Adam and Lori. Lori are terrific people. Um, you and the know, brewer's the, been. You know, shout him out too. Yeah, uh, f- uh, from Bluegrass, I believe. Or, Country uh, Boy. Country Boy. Okay, yeah. But they were at. They told that was the story they told us. They were at Bluegrass, right? Right. And mentioned to someone at Bluegrass that they were looking for a brewer who knew Ben from Country Boy, and they turned him on to. Because uh, they knew that he was he was from Northern Kentucky, right. and apparently he was brewing down there and either commuting or staying a week and then going home, you know, on the weekends and so forth. So, uh, but yeah, the, and and excellent beer again. The the Proby Porter, the uh, the red, I, I the red is what knocked me out when I was there. I really enjoyed that. So they've uh, got a go new back. one in the pipeline that should be out soon. That's a um, it's called Nutty Pyro. It's a uh, nut brown with maple syrup and um, uh, I can't remember what else, wow. but it, uh, you know it's it's an, it's you know a little bit off from what they've been doing. You know that's you know starting to branch out into those those fun geek styles that I like. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. excellent. Um, anything else? Anything else we missed? I, I think I think we're going to be dark. Next week, uh, we um, uh, it's it's opening day in Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati Reds uh, open up against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yours truly will be uh, otherwise uh, uh, employed, as they say, uh, indisposed uh, down at the Great American Ballpark. Uh, and then our uh, our intrepid sidekick Tina <laughs> is going to go on vacation to where Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, I expect some sort of craft there beer will to come be back from coming back. Yes, from, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, I actually checked. I bought a whole checked bag so I can bring beer down to my friends in Florida and bring Florida <laughs> beer back to Cincinnati. Forty dollars well spent. Uh, and then on the and then on the horizon for you also. Uh, I mean, can you talk about it yet? I, I yeah, I guess. Um, as soon as I get back from Florida, I'm returning on the 8th, and Friday the 10th will be my first day bartending at Brew River in um, the East End. So if you don't come see me on my first couple of days, because <laughs> you know how starting a new job is, but um, definitely really excited to be a part of that team. They just, you know, if you are familiar with them at all, their beer selection is outrageous. Everything they all the food they make is either made with or appropriately pe- paired to several different kinds of beers. Um, so just really, really exciting that I'm kind of getting onto that team because it seems like a really good good place to, to be if you're a beer and food lover, which I am. 
And then Scott, uh, Mount Carmel Brewing's Tap Room, we appreciate you uh, filling in for Chris tonight and sitting down with us and uh, at Mount Carmel's Tap Room uh, on Thursdays and Saturdays. Um, will this air on Thursday? Uh, it'll be up. It, we'll have it up Thursday, tomorrow. Thursday, uh, come and see us uh, for Tap and Tapas. Uh, Roger's most recent creation, the uh, Blueberry Hibiscus Blonde, will be on Tap. And we have uh, Buddy Fristos, uh, the chef from NY- NKU, uh, will have... Uh, Pulled pork tacos, uh, uh, homemade uh, chips and salsa, and uh, your your normal barbecue fare, the uh, pulled pork sandwiches. Jeez, that sounds delicious. <laughs> food truck on Friday. Like food, tra- food truck burgers, and live I music on, on Friday. And Wednesday night, which uh, <coughs> this the show will be up to, uh, is a w- wings, uh, wings. Amazing wings. wings. Renegade, 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 Renegade Street Eats. Renegade Great Street Eats. Great wings and uh, trivia. And, tri- and trivia, man. And... Uh, and then you're also you're also spilling on I Saturday. Will, right? I will have a handle on uh, Cincinnati. No, literally, I'll have my hand on the handle of Cincinnati beer. I'll be pouring beer. On <laughs> <laughs> and Saturday, that's what I keep yeah. asking. Saturday, Saturday too, is right. All right. And, and no, there's. Yeah, I I do try to keep a very extensive Cincinnati beer calendar on thegnarlygnome.com. It's a really big task to keep up with everything that's going on around town, but. You know, there's with all the the trivia nights and the wings nights and food trucks and beer tappings and, and releases and, and releases and yeah. I I try to keep a handle on it also. Um, Thenarlygnome.com, you can find all that stuff plus and a bunch, uh, bunch of other stuff. And I neglected, but I will link that on the uh, on the web page as well. And uh, also some of the breweries we talked about tonight, we will link that on the web page. It's www.cincybrewcast.com at Cincy Brewcast on Twitter, Cincy Brewcast fan uh, fan page on Facebook. Uh, we also have a regular page that we do as well. That's uh, Cincy Brewcast, uh, Cincy Brewcast on Instagram, which we haven't really been. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> friend us, friend, friend if, us. If, if, if we if we had more than three followers, maybe we could get some exclusive content up on our Instagram. So. Check that out for sure. And follow us on uh, Cincy Brewcast uh, on Untapped, and we promise you uh, that eventually we will get a lot better with keeping up on all of those things. Uh, hopefully, we'll be getting us a social media director here in the next uh, four weeks or so, <laughs> four or six weeks. So, uh, but anyway, we'd like to thank everybody. Uh, we've been very gratified with the reaction to our podcast and to our commentary and so forth and we really appreciate everyone that listens and we thank you we will see you again with a new show in two weeks uh we will line that up and we will promote that uh sometime in the next week so once again speaking for Cincy Greencast this is Mike Cisneros thanks for listening everybody cheers cheers yay